In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Today is Septuagesima. And if you were to Google what is Septuagesima, you would find the profoundly lightning and helpful answer that Septuagesima is the Sunday before Sexagesima. <laughs> Great. All the more reason to check out DuckDuckGo, I guess. Septuagesima, along with the other two Sundays, Sexagesima and Quincagesima, formed the season of pre-Lent in the ancient Christian calendar. Septuagesima simply means 70 days. It's not meant to be a precise way of counting. Rather, it is the Sunday that falls roughly 70 days from Easter. Sexagesima, 60 days. Quincagesima, 50 days. Septuagesima, today, we turn our attention from the joyful coming of Christ, from Christmas, Epiphany, and Transfiguration. And we begin to contemplate more deeply why Jesus came. As we contemplate this why, we begin to set aside some of the more joyful aspects of our worship. The Alleluia and Gloria, for example, will be put away after this service and not return until the Easter Vigil. The more joyful aspects of our worship are put away precisely because the why of Christ's coming is answered in our sin, in our profound and hopeless condition. That is why he came. That is why God became man. This is why he bore our sins on the cross and died our death and shed his innocent blood. The only way that we could be cleansed and be saved and be healed is by the very blood of God himself. Our joy returns as we celebrate Easter. He is risen, and the good news dawns upon us that he has done it. It is accomplished. Our sins are forgiven. And all who, have, and all who believe have become the children of God. This world and the things of this world begin to grow smaller as we set our minds on the future and on what lies above. We must first see our sin or we won't ever see our Savior. Those who think they are well won't ever go to the physician or receive his healing bath that cleanses us more than Naaman was cleansed or receive from him the medicine of immortality that restores us more deeply than Elijah was restored. But how many so-called churches today are unwilling to even speak of sin or its consequences? How many churches today are unwilling to proclaim Christ and him crucified as the only remedy to sin and death? Just moments ago, we participated in one of the most offensive rites to those who visit our church for the first time, a real seeker-insensitive move. We confessed our sinful condition publicly. Most merciful God, we confess that we are sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. And after that, even yet still more offensive, 
we dared to receive the forgiveness of our sins, won on the cross and delivered to our ears by the pastor's sinful lips. But a living word, a word of God, that returns us indeed to our baptismal purity, to cleansed hearts and right spirits. The season of Lent also tracks with our impulse for spring cleaning, removing the clutter and debris that's gradually accumulated. If you are an athlete, or if you have aged to a certain vintage, each year you schedule a physical to make sure that everything's well with the body. And quite often, at least I've found, the older you get, there are more adjustments to be made. If we give such attention to our houses and to our bodies, how much more attention should we give to our souls? Rather sadly, an entire theology has been developed that tells us that caring for our souls and for the improvement of our spiritual lives is somehow wrong, a theology of glory, an attempt at self-justification, and thus also a supposed despising of the gospel and the all-sufficient righteousness that Christ has indeed won for us. And so it becomes a kind of badge of honor or mark of orthodoxy within this theology to look down upon everything from a New Year's resolution to Christian improvement to Lenten disciplines, along with those things of which St. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9, though that's rarely admitted. Do you not know, St. Paul writes, that in a race the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. It was once popular in American evangelicalism to ask, Brother, how is your walk? And while that may have carried with it some undertones of accusation or superiority or even legalism, it is nonetheless true that the idea of a Christian walk is entirely biblical. This life, after all, isn't a Christian sit. Not only do the scriptures speak of a Christian walk, but also of a Christian run. To use the language of St. Paul, he is very much asking the Christians of Corinth to do some soul-searching. Are you running in such a way that you may obtain the prize? Are you exercising self-control? Are you disciplining your body and keeping it under control? Ouch. No wonder an entire theology has slowly developed to shield us from these kinds of considerations. A theology that, under the guise of humility, poor me, I fail at everything, ends up arrogantly trampling the words of the apostle. Do you not know that in a race all runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it, says Paul. Ha, how's that going for you? This mocking theology asks. We must learn to recognize cynicism and despair when we see it. And if these have infected us, then we must repent and be done with them. For God did not baptize you so that you would remain exactly as you are until his return. He baptized you in order to make you a new creature, that you might walk in newness of life 
that you might run to obtain the prize, that you might be filled with his spirit and wage war against the sinful flesh that remains within you, bearing fruit worthy of repentance, confessing your sins and receiving the Lord's absolution until he leads you to the finish line of eternal life. If our hearts have grown cynical and despairing, then we're not likely to receive the rest of what St. Paul writes. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. As St. Paul indicates, it's not as if self-control simply falls upon us from the skies. It's not as if disciplining the body and keeping its passions under control come naturally to us. How I wish that as soon as I wiped the baptismal water off your forehead, I could hand you a basket of perfect self-control and perfect self-discipline. How I wish I was handed that same basket. But it is indeed the infinite wisdom of God that we learn and grow and mature into the full stature of Christ and thus become fully man ourselves, learning to walk, then run, then box, wrestle, and fight, even as the God of peace crushes the serpent under our feet until the end of our warfare and journey where there is a literal rising from the grave and we have final victory over sin, death, and the devil. What is that refrain throughout Revelation again? Oh yes, to the one who conquers, I will give. St. Paul's point is that worldly people pursue self-control and discipline of the body to worldly ends. How much more ought we to pursue and leverage these things to spiritual ends? Indeed, to run in such a way that we receive the prize, not an earthly medal tied around our necks, but everlasting life, finally ours as we cross the finish line. Not a perishable wreath or crown as the ancients set upon the heads of their champions, but an imperishable wreath and crown set upon our heads by none other than our Lord Jesus himself, as he says, well done, good and faithful servant. We do not discipline our bodies and keep them under control so as not to be disqualified from some earthly competition. Rather, we discipline our bodies and keep them under control with prayer and fasting and acts of mercy, lest we be disqualified from heaven. For that is the very nature of our sinful flesh. If we do not oppose it and confess against it, it will drag us to hell. If the old man is not daily drowned in the waters of baptism, it is he who will daily drown the new man, to use the language of the small catechism. If the works of the flesh are not daily crucified, it is the works of the flesh that will crucify the new man within us, 
to use the language of Scripture. We are in a desperate war within ourselves. And who will save us from these bodies of death? Thanks be to God, Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ who is God in human flesh. Christ who bears not only your sins, but mine. Yes, even the sins of the entire world. Christ who bears our sins to the cross in his body and is therefore nailed to a tree. Christ who so loves us that he becomes a curse for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Christ whose blood truly cleanses us from all our sins, from every last sin. You are cleansed as you put your lips to his chalice this morning. Christ, in whom there is no condemnation. Christ, in whom there is not only full forgiveness, but also new life. So let us not run or fight against him or against his spirit that he sends into us at baptism, or against the wise counsel of his apostle. Let us instead do exactly as our Lord himself instructs through his apostle. Let us run so that we may obtain. Let us exercise self-control in all things. Let us discipline our bodies, lest we be disqualified. Today is Septuagesima. And pre-Lent is a time for you to make plans and preparations for the Lenten season that begins in about two and a half weeks with Ash Wednesday. What services will you attend? How will you pray? How will you fast? In what additional ways will you give alms? In what areas have you come to lack self-discipline and self-control? What sins must you confront? What reparations need to be made? What kind of house cleaning do you need to do within your own soul? Now's the time. Or would you ever say, well, why bother doing the dishes? They're just going to get dirty again. Or why bother cleaning out the garage? It's just going to get cluttered again. Or would you ever say, why bother eating? After all, I'm just going to get hungry again. Or why bother with a checkup? I'm just going to die anyhow. Brothers and sisters, if you care for your houses and your bodies, how much more should you care for your souls? Christ is indeed for you. A blessed pre-Lent and blessed preparations to you all. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.